The ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, I keep, there's this whole thing. I, I keep hearing people talk about, uh, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about podcasting. And so they're always telling you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And one of the things they always say, like radio, that you're not supposed to talk like that you're talking to multiple people. You're supposed to talk like you're talking to one person, the person that's sitting in their car listening to you. And I always start the show off with, ladies and gentlemen, boy, like, like I'm talking to this big <laughs> crowd of people. And so every time I do it now, it's in my head. I'm like, oh, I should probably say something different at the beginning of the show. But um, that's really hard to do after a very long time. <laughs> I didn't know we were getting a gnarly gnome rant uh, second to one into the show. That's what happens when you don't make a podcast for like a month. You have lots of things to say. You guys just go sit over there for a minute and I have some things I need to talk about. Oh boy. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. This is uh, this is a cool one. The last time that we were here at Wandering Monsters out in Anderson uh, was uh, pre-construction. We were sitting in uh, the shell of what was left of uh, the game, which was the bar that was here before. I guess not here. The room that we're sitting in was a separate thing, but... Um, and uh, it looked very different than it does today. Uh, hopefully, everybody that listens to this has been out here already and so can kind of visualize in their head what, uh, what this place is. But um, if not, we'll, we'll kind of run through everything and give everybody a good picture of it. Uh, uh, introduce yourselves. Tell people what you do here and, uh, and what your favorite movie is. Uh, I'm Zach. Uh, I am our head brewer. Uh, I make beer in my favorite movie. You don't actually have to answer it if you. I just I've started doing it just because it throws people off. It did <laughs> success. Well done. Um, office space. That's a good one. Mm. That's a good pick. It also like it's hard to choose a favorite movie because like there's movies that I've watched a ton of times. Does that make it my favorite? Or then there's movies that like I've only seen a handful of times, but they're really good movies. That so how do you how do you understand what the favorite is? But um, you know, <laughs> I like watchability, especially in that genre, comedy, something I can go back to over and over again. A movie that you can always just put on and it can be in the background or you can watch it. Or yeah, yeah I, I get that. Uh, Jason Brewer, uh, founder. Um, I don't really have a title, but I like to think that um, I'm the bird dog of the, the group that when people need stuff done, I, I get it done. Um, and I would say my favorite movie is Tommy Boy. Ooh, because I quote it once every day to every other day that's a good minimum. one. Ooh, i wonder what my most quoted movie is too. that's when you said favorite have, movie that's what i thought of is like what do i reference the most yeah oh that's a good question uh i'm gonna have to make a list over the next couple of days and try to figure all this out <laughs> just write down everything you say and then check against movie quotes <laughs> i just could constantly record myself for a day and then go back and listen to it because otherwise i won't be able to figure it out um Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, let's let's start real simple with this. If you can kind of explain Wandering Monsters in uh, kind of a quick, concise little uh, uh, sentence or a couple sentences to explain to people what the whole idea of this is, because there's a lot of different things going on with this place. Yeah, we're a craft brewery that has a kitchen that serves barbecue um, and also has duck pen bowling on site for um, families and, and patrons and guests to enjoy. It's a extremely kind of a family friendly type of place, which is increasingly more and more what it seems like people are just desperate for out of their craft breweries. They not that people don't like going to Applebee's, but they don't really want to go to Applebee's. They want to have that spot that they can kind of uh, latch onto on a personal level that is their space that you can go, you can eat, you can go hang out with or without your kids. You can there's something to do. There's uh, and you guys uh, definitely definitely nailed that here. 
Thank you. Yeah, family friendly and groups of friends too. You know, grabbing a couple of beers with your your friends to watch a game or to just uh, compete and play duck pen against each other is a another aspect to what we have here too. Right. Which, uh, if anybody's not familiar with duck pen bowling, it is uh, it's like tiny bowling. Like it's uh, smaller lanes, uh, smaller ball, smaller pens. Just just tiny tiny bowling it's and you a, get to keep your shoes on so that's the most important part. <laughs> do you do you have to can you play barefoot is that a, is that a rule <laughs> no you cannot for the record <laughs> uh it is to me it's a you know uh, uh, probably the perfect kind of uh drinking bowling it seems like it goes it goes faster it uh um, it's less people don't take it as seriously. I, well, I, I assume that there are people that take it very seriously. There's probably all kinds of like leagues and stuff, right? There is a professional <laughs> league, and to compare it to regular bowling, you know what the perfect score in regular bowling is? Uh, three hundred. It's three hundred, right? Do you know what the average professional duck pen bowler's bowling score is? Uh, d- there's no way I'm going to guess. Take that. a guess. Uh, Two fifty. It is a 154.9. Oh, wow. That is the top. So it's more difficult? Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't get it. There's not enough uh, lanes to get the, the motion of the ball, like the velocity of the ball to, to make them all knock down or some science stuff. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, guessed that. makes that. it more difficult, yeah. I would have assumed the opposite, that it would be easier. Yeah, with the strings. The yeah. strings can catch each other, too. So there's a, a couple different aspects. but Huh. That, you learn something new. Yeah. And I've also bowled out my top scores of 155, so I can say I've bowled higher than the best professionals <laughs> average. So just saying. Do you do you get a lot of like very serious duck pin people here? Like do they do they travel around to go experience the new duck pin lanes that exist or we haven't had anyone bring their own ball in yet. That and was I would imagine that was, that was where I was going. I would with imagine this. that would be the the, the, shirt, the telltale sign. Just a tiny little bowling bag. We are gonna have duck pin lane, uh, uh, league night on Monday nights. And it's we'd say it's a fun league, but when you add competition to something, there's always the people that show up that are super serious. So we'll see if that happens on yeah. Mondays. But it's you know it's there's a lot of people that join bowling leagues just to get out of the house and find something to do with their friends or you know dart leagues things like that that uh, get them out to their their local bar or whatever just to just to hang out and like oh I have to go honey it's uh you know they're, they're counting on me it's my team you know it's a league <laughs> it's night a, it's a league night. gotta go. Uh, let's start things off before we dive into kind of the story of how we got here. Let's let's drink a beer um, because it is a craft beer podcast. The beer fridge. This one here. Yep, just this order. Gotcha. Uh, and this one is uh, is B- Bussy. Bossy. Bossy. Don't look at my hand right uh, yeah, here. Yeah, you clearly did, are not <laughs> the one that uh, wrote things on the. Uh, I don't the, work the behind labels. the bar for that reason. Uh, tell me about this beer. Yeah, Bossy is um, kind of our ode to one of the most popular beers in the Midwest. Um, before we opened, some of us took a trip up into the Chicago and Wisconsin area, see some friends in the industry, brew some beer. And while we were in, <coughs> excuse me, Wisconsin, <coughs> we had um, quite a bit of this beer. Um, so we made uh, something similar to it. We thought our community would really enjoy. So it's a light beer. Is this uh, a cream ale or a farmhouse ale? Uh, <laughs> depends on who you ask. What is, what is spotted cow? Is it a cream ale or That's a farmhouse? The question. Nobody uh, knows. So yeah, it's light, it's crisp, um, it's very drinkable. Got a little bit of fruit ester from um, a Kolsch yeast, um, but ultimately um, we put it on and it became our fastest selling beer almost immediately. It satisfies that that light beer kind of craving, especially when it's hot outside and humid, like it's been uh, off and on recently. And uh, so it satisfies that. But then there's also this kind of like a little bit bigger body to it mm-hmm. and kind of a fuller kind of uh, personality that makes it so that oh, I can actually 
I can sit inside at the bar and still sit here and sip this and kind of enjoy what the beer is and kind of take the journey through the glass, which sometimes you don't get as much with the lighter beers that uh, everybody seems to desire to make these days. Yeah, that was where, that's what we're going for. You know, every time I want to go up to Wisconsin, uh, I bring home two to three cases of uh, Spotted Cow and two women. And when Zach and I were getting this project off the ground, I asked him about making uh, something like Spotted Cow. And we think we've got pretty close. It's obviously not the same thing, but um, we tip our hat back to them and call it a Wisconsin Ale. Right. So we continue calling it a Wisconsin Ale until, you know, it's a thing. Maybe that'll be our thing as Wisconsin Ale. Should it be Wisconsin style ale? Is that a thing that we care about? <laughs> Does it have to be made in Wisconsin? There's, like, there's uh, one brewery making a Wisconsin ale right now, so I don't think that uh, we need to get that specific. Do, do this is kind of going down a rabbit hole way early in the show, but do you care about stuff like that? Like we, you know, I know that there are some things that uh, are are I guess legally protected in theory. Um, you know, tequila. One of them you can't make tequila unless you're in a certain region of Mexico. Um, but even when it comes to beer, there are some people that are really crazy about the term lambic. Uh, you can't use lambic because it's it's a protected thing. Um, but nobody cares about uh, a pilsner, for instance, which is the same exact idea that it's from this region and it's a specific thing. But uh, do you guys care about that at all? Does that something that? Uh, it, I don't think so. I think. When you come to a place like this, you're not looking... If you see Kolsch on the menu and it doesn't say Kolsch style, I don't think anybody's like, ooh, I wonder if they imported that from Kolsch. Like, <laughs> no. It's just our beer. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of been my stance, but uh, I feel that way about kind of all of it. As long as you're sticking to like the, the process and the ingredients that make that thing that thing, I don't, I don't understand why people get all upset about it, but um, even, you know, Lambic, when I, when I said that, I saw you kind of... Uh, I, I assume that you said, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you make a lambic in the United States? <laughs> it takes a long time, so maybe. Sure. I mean, what did Rivertown call theirs? Uh, they well, they, they definitely called it a lambic. Yeah. And then they, I believe they, they might have even copyrighted like American lambic or something like that. I can't remember. It's been a while. I, I, I don't. I, again, if if you're sticking to the ingredients and. The process. I don't. I don't understand why people. For sure, beers. There's arms. too much. Too much else to worry about going on here to, to worry about the style, definition that you're putting out. There's there's a lot of things to worry about, especially in, in the industry right now, which we'll talk about. But uh, I want to get kind of uh, the story how you guys ended up here. Uh, and and I know we've we've talked to Jason on the show several times, and we've kind of uh, here and there kind of piece your story together. But uh, is it, have you been on the show before? I don't think so. Uh, so. Um, Let's 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 dive into kind of your 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 road to uh, to wandering monsters. How'd you how'd you get into the industry? Why'd you get into the industry? And how'd you get here? Sure. Um, so back in college, got into beer pretty quickly. Um, went to a lot of pint nights with my friends, trying to discover craft beer. Um, started home brewing. Went to college. I'm sorry, I went to college at uh, University of Kentucky in Lexington. Um, spent a lot of Wednesday nights at Pazzo's, uh, getting free glassware. So. Um, but got into home brewing, um, got an accounting degree, and pretty quickly realized that that's not where I wanted uh, to spend my life was in an office. So um, I ended up uh, getting a job with West Sixth, doing sales up here in the Cincinnati area, and that's where I initially met Jason um, and a lot of other people in the industry right. uh, that I've been friends with for years now. Um, a little bit of sales got me introduced um, to Braxton and the Rouses. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to do some sales for them, and I said no. Uh, but if you need a brewer, let me know. Uh, and they did. So um, 
they took a chance on me and uh, I brewed there for seven years, seven and a half years, something like that. And um, at, at labs, right? Yeah. So the first year I was in Covington and then we um, took over that space in the back of Party Source and um, I moved over there as the lead innovation brewer. Um, so for six years, I just brewed kind of whatever I wanted and it was a lot of fun and it was a great learning experience. Um, so after a long time of that, uh, Jason kind of hooked up with me and was like, I'm doing something. Do you want to be a part of it? And uh, it was just, a, it felt like the right time. And I'm just really excited about what his vision was and how it matched with my vision. And um, yeah, and here we are making some fun beer in a, a small space and serving great food and hopefully making a lot of people happy. What is the difference in uh, brewing at a place like Braxton, especially with, with the labs thing where it's kind of it's kind of tucked away. It's it's part of the brand, but not not highlighted in the same way that, that Covington is. Brewing somewhere like that, and then you come in here where everything, the, the, the spotlight is on here in, 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 in one way, but then in another way, it's, it's also a brew pub. There's lots of other aspects to it. You know, there's some people that walk in here that just don't give two shits about the beer. They don't, they don't even realize it's a brewery, you know? <laughs> how to, how to talk about the difference between those, that, that kind of that. Yeah, my day-to-day honestly isn't terribly different. You know, I'm doing a lot of the same things that I was doing for years um, at Braxton, but here, everything I do is kind of like, you know, the entirety of our catalog. And that's exciting for me, a um, little added pressure, but uh, it, it's really cool to feel like everything I do um, matters a lot. Um, Is there more freedom or less freedom in something like that? It kind of goes both ways. Um, being a part of Braxton, we had you know so much of our revenue came from things that I had nothing to do with, but that revenue also allowed me to experiment more right. and take chances. Here, um, we don't have quite that, uh, that same thing, but I have a lot more encouragement, I think, to do out-of-the-box things. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And um, so I, I think we're still equally, if not more, creative here than I was there. Um, it's just a little different. That makes sense. And if it doesn't work, we still have that meat lover's pizza in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Boy quote. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to slip in as many. <laughs> uh, uh, Jason, give us uh, kind of an abridged how, how you got here, because uh, again, we've talked about it on the show. People people kind of know your story a little bit. but Well, it started back in the 1980s. I was born. Uh, no, so got in the craft beer um, in college. You know, it's very similar to the story of Zach's. Um, a fun story, fun story is that... Um, uh, first time I had beer, I didn't like it, and I try. It was a Natty Light, as college mm-hmm. kids do, and I tried to mix a Kool Aid packet with Natty Light to make it taste better. I think they do that now. Yes, right. Like <laughs> I was a visionary <laughs> way back then. I should have started the brewery right then. <laughs> there is be no a millionaire entire, like Bud Light uh, series of that. Yeah, now. that was me. That was all me. Uh, and I still get crap about it to this day. And I was like, you guys realize that people make billions of dollars doing exactly what I did then. Right. So like, you could stop <laughs> making fun of me for it. Uh, thanks. Um, so yeah, and I did a. Um, I got my undergrad and master's at UC in marketing, and I did a independent study where I did a newsletter for Listerman and um, that was just my project was making a newsletter distribution list how to send it out that sort of thing and so I did that that's how I got my foot in the door with them and I was in sales cell phone sales um, 
ended up in working for Motorola, an internship. Um, Google bought them my first day there, and so I went on a hiring freeze, and I came back to Cincinnati after my internship. And then I got a call from Chris Mitchell and said, hey, do you want to come work at the homebrew shop? Um, we're getting ready to open this this uh, tasting room thing that you can also help sell because you know I was into beer and selling beer. So um, I think that until I left there, there wasn't a day that the tap room was open that I wasn't there. So I was there like the day the tap room opened, essentially filling growlers, but also stocking shelves and sweeping floors in the homebrew store. And then uh, that was in 2012, 2013. And um, just kind of worked my way up from that, doing the social media and eventually working my way up to running the business. And uh, left there uh, after, you know, winning tons of awards, GABF gold medals, FOBAB, best of shows, um, making some great beer with some great people. Um, Left there uh, to kind of start on my own path. Uh, The growth paths for Listerman and myself weren't the weren't where we didn't align on right. where we wanted to take the business um and so i was like let's see if i can figure out my own thing and along those paths i stumbled along a local restaurant that also did duck pen bowling and uh, they wanted to open a brewery and i said okay let's start the, let's let's do this together and um it didn't work at the speed and pace that i was wanting it to work at and uh, so that just didn't work out. But I was still working on my business plan and um, all of that. And um, a good friend of mine named Danny Spears, who I'm sure if you're in Cincinnati Beer, you probably know Danny Spears. Um, he encouraged me to send my business plan to a banking friend of his because I didn't think my business plan was good enough. Right. And I sent it to this banker, and uh, he calls me the next day, and he's like, I can get you a $800,000 loan tomorrow if you want it. And I was like, oh. I guess I gotta <laughs> start figuring all of this stuff out now. I didn't. I thought I was months away from this being ready, and so that. Uh, so that I owe most, of, not most of it. I owe a small piece of this to Danny for that uh, encouragement. And shout out to Danny too. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. He just uh, finished his first book, which uh, uh, about uh, depression in males, which is is not the road we're going to go down right now. But uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to go buy his book uh, on Amazon. Yeah, great dude. Funny dude too. Uh, so yeah, that that uh, started this that route and trying to find the space and it's, uh, assembling the team. Um, Zach was the first team member I brought on to you know I could figure everything else out, but I, I and I know how to make beer better, but I don't know how to make beer. So I knew a brewer was very important to that, um, and somebody that makes excellent beer is important to that. And I've been following Zach's career. Uh, for a while and unfortunately he roots for the worst team in the world uh, for in soccer uh, the team that shall not be named I'm a Tottenham fan you could probably figure out who Zach likes uh, I could not uh, well, I would not good. even know where to don't start don't worry about it. they're not important they're, <laughs> they're, a, red, they're a red team but they're I not know important. FC Cincinnati is a soccer team that's about as far as I go yeah perfect um, they'd probably beat his team anyways because they suck um and so that's, that's how Zach and I were keeping, t- like, you know, we talk a couple times a year and, you know, obviously keeping track of what Labs is doing and the fun, innovative stuff they're doing. And so I reached out to him and got him on board and, and then wanted to find a front of house uh, manager. And after talking to a few people, uh, it always came back to Mark Ferris, who, you know, he's run tons of places. But uh, in my knowing him, it's been uh, Ryan House and Nation and Cobblestone. And did a he's great customer service facing and especially in the suburbs I think that's what you need 
far and away as someone that's great with customers and he does a really great job with that so added him to the team and then um there's a guy named mike georgerton who was with queen city restaurant group um who ran pontiac senate all of that stuff and we've made beers with him at listerman before and he's a great dude and i always wanted to do something with him and the the our schedules just kind of lined up to be able to to partner up so i assembled a really great team and and then it was all about the space like where are we going to find a space to go and i looked at some spaces and i really wanted to be anderson but anderson real estate's just so tough right and i looked at a space that was an old pet bowl which is actually across the street um and um, that was about 9,000 square feet, which is a little smaller than what I wanted it to be to fit everything. I wanted a duck pen. I wanted an event space, a decent-sized brewery. So it was a little bit smaller, but I was like, I really want to be in Anderson so we can make it work. And then with a talk with a landlord there, we had talked about putting a cold box outside, and he had mentioned, he had asked if we were going to pay additional square footage on the cold box that we're building. I was like, no, I'm building this. Why am I paying you square So I didn't even respond. I was like, this isn't the right space. We're going to fight over too much stuff. And then, um, you know, this I found this space on a random search. I ran and was like, I'm not going to find anything. Let me search. And this came up, the game space. And it was a, a bit of tumultuous what was happening. And I feel like I'm just talking forever about this, but I guess that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the game owner had a tapper had a gm that wanted to take the game owner owned the strip mall right and they were getting ready to sell the strip mall so he wanted to be done with the bar the gm wanted to take over the game and put a kitchen in they were the they were like let's put this on um online to see if we can find anybody to take over the space in the meantime if we can't find anybody you can have it to put in a kitchen so i came in and i saw it and i was like okay this is a good space and then they're like let's go next door and i was like what do you mean next door and they're like, yeah, there's a space next door. I was like, uh, okay, let's go next door. And it was just 5,000 square feet of just open space. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. I have my tap room over here, our tap room over here, and then I have the perfect space to section out for duck pen event space and brewery. And I was just like, this is, this is it. And I walked away that first day. I was like, this is, this is where we want to be. And um, it's, you know, because... It was a kind of a uh, longer journey with that too, because the ownership switching hands. The, I was getting ready to sign a lease with the original owners, and they sold, so I right. had to redo that process with the um, the new owners. And the landlords here have been great, and uh, neighbors have been great. So I'm I'm super excited to be here. And talk about again the difference between coming from somewhere like Listerman, where you've got this this history, these this the, there's already personalities to a lot of these beers. People have expectations when they walk in about what Listerman is to starting something that's your own thing. You're starting from a clean slate. You are uh, you're trying to show people what this place is. Talk about the difference in trying to uh, manage both of those two types of businesses and and uh, the difference between the two. Yeah, I think the the way where you have managed expectations, it's is faster, and because you have a box you have to stay in, it's like, hey, it's got to be A, B, C, D. It's got to be these things. It's always been this is how it's going to be presented. Right. And then coming here is it's more fun uh, because we get to create all of that new stuff, but it's also a little bit more exhausting because it's not 
there's not there. You know, coming up with beer names is fun, but when you have 15 new beers, you have to. It's fun when it's like once a month, once every other month. When it's 15 at once, it gets to be a little bit stressful, and right. we have a culture that we still don't have a name for. So uh, that's being tapped in like a week. So that's that's cool. Um, so th- those without those parameters and guidelines, it, it it kind of almost leaves a little bit too much space. Um, but in that space, it provides us the opportunity to innovate and um, just continue to have fun versus being kind of st- stuck. Right. It just it seems like it would be. Well, I mean, I guess there's there's a there's a stressor on both sides, but like coming in and trying to trying to explain to everybody what this is, and again, like this is this is a big idea. It's very different than what than what Listerman was. Where, yeah, I mean, it's it's a brewery first and foremost. It's uh, well, it's it's a lot of things first. It's it's actually difficult to explain what that place is. But uh, you know, when you when you come in here, like everybody's coming in here, and they already they're expecting something because of some kind of thing that they've formed in their own head. There's, there's nothing that's already out there that teaches them what exactly this is. And that, that seems very stressful to me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it just comes down to execution at that point because you have to make sure that you're executing on a food level, a beer level, a guest experience level. It's, it's all got to hit. And it's all got to hit really well from day one. Whereas if you're a brewery that has been around for a long time and you decide, Hey, we're going to, we're going to add some food. If the food's kind of hit and miss at the beginning, people forgive you for that a little bit, uh, especially people that have been coming there for a long time. It's like, oh, yeah, the food's not that great, but that's fine. That's not why we go there. Whereas there are so many people that when they walk in here, they're coming here because it's a restaurant. Somebody else is coming in here because it's for a place to go and play duck pin bowling. Other people are coming here because it's a brewery. Like, everybody just like it's this 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 huge like crowd of opinions all at the same time coming in with some kind of expectations. And, uh, again stresses me out but maybe i overthink it sometimes you are definitely <laughs> overthinking it, or maybe not thinking enough about it i don't know let's drink another uh, beer let's drink another beer uh what is this one here this is mayor mookin all right <clears throat> mayor mookin is our milkshake ipa um it is strawberry and vanilla so it starts as you know kind of a hazy ipa good amount of lactose um and then when we were on our trip to chicago we hung out with um, the team at moore brewing and they were actually canning their milkshake IPA that day. Um, and the way they do it is they add fruit post-firm um, and then just literally they're researching as they're pulling to the canning line to try to keep right. fruit in suspension. Um, so we kind of saw that, tasted the beer, and we're like, man, that's really great. Um, so I kind of uh, came back and was ready to do a milkshake after a few weeks. And I was like, I, I want to do this post-firm, really get that body, really get that fruit expression um and that's kind of what we did uh, we added added some fruit and some vanilla on top of um, a dry hops ipa and the body is killer the fruit is great um it's maybe my favorite beer we've done so far i've um i've been vocally critical about milkshake ipas over the last <laughs> few years i don't think it's uh, uh um and i'll get to this beer but i think overall the style sometimes uh, new england ipa was kind of that way at the beginning too where there were a lot of really messy kind of sloppy ones that were out there and milkshake ipa is still like that for me every time i get one uh it's a it's a crapshoot and i'm gonna say it's like 70 30 from ones that actually are bad versus good (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of very bad ones out there this is not a bad one at all uh when it starts out you get that big kind of dry hopped ipa character and then the the finish on it comes this big sweetness comes in and kind of smacks those hops away and then you get the the fruit that it, it finishes with and again that body to it it's it's 
literally you get these two different characters that come together, this IPA and then the milkshake, and, and they kind of sit and balance with each other. And, and that's a fun beer. Um, that's good. Yeah, I'm not uh, going to toot my horn, our, our beer's horn, other than saying it's great beer, um, all that often. But I would, I would venture to say that might be one of the best examples of the style that exists in, in the world. Uh, I'll go that far. Yeah, um, I, I, I would agree. I, I mean, I have not traveled the world to experience the milkshake IPA. You can get so. a lot of good ones when you're drinking Lambic in Belgium, I bet. <laughs> yeah, so you, know, you, have your, uh, you have a nice uh, a pint of uh, Pilsner and uh, then a milkshake IPA, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, it is just that perfect great. balance of, you know, it's not overly fruited. It's not overly hopped. It's that perfect median between the two. And you still get that lactose, that vanilla. The str- you get everything that we tried to put in that in there. And it's just quite quite fantastic uh, i mean it makes me happy to see that people are finally figuring the style out and uh, that uh maybe at some point they'll all start tasting good <laughs> yeah one of the beers zach dropped off when we uh were working on this it was actually on his birthday uh we cleared this oh man we cleared this floor <coughs> okay. that we're uh, sitting in uh tile him mark and i cleared this tile it was, it was the best day of my life uh <laughs> and he dropped off some double vanilla milkshake from braxton that he had made and man, I was like, I drank, I, I was already, you know, I was sure he was the right guy, but I had that one and I was like, okay. Well, that's not fair either. Yeah. Anything is going to taste good after you've been clear and tile. I mean, I had it like the next day, <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. It was just like, Any oh, man, tastes good uh, his, his milkshake game is up there at the very top. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to watch that starting to develop. And uh, speaking of kind of how this industry or beers have kind of shifted and changed, like when you guys opened, uh, or before, we'll say before you opened, um, there was a lot of, when you talk to some of the nerds and some of the people that, that do talk about craft breweries, uh, people talk a lot about how there's, there's, there was no hype anymore in breweries. Nobody cares about new breweries. You know, new brewery can open, and I'm not going to go there because it's not my neighborhood. And uh, It was kind of this, this lackluster. People didn't seem to, to care about the industry the way they, they once did. Uh, quickly, once you guys were announced, and I'll, I'll throw Fabled in there too down in, uh, in, in Kentucky, that all of a sudden people started paying attention and the people started talking about places again. People were uh, excited to hear about a new brewery, excited to go try the new brewery. Uh, is, that, uh, is, that, is that just because of you guys and the personality or is that yes. just kind of, is, that kind of <laughs> is, it, is it kind of like this, this post-COVID kind of thing, us coming back into the world and kind of remembering what made all of this fun? Like what, what is it that, that kind of generates hype around places like that and uh is it something that we're going to see more of or is it really just just you guys and the magic that you guys have oh man thank you for that i guess it was a question uh, i did not say it sounded like a compliment <laughs> with wrapped in a question um man i think i think it's again you know I'm i think people gonna... are just excited for milkshake ipas personally yeah <laughs> maybe uh i think it's a testament to the team that we put together too i think if if you were to say I'm opening my own place, then we'd have some people excited. You say Zach's opening his own place, you'd have some people excited. You have Mike Georgerton opening up his own place, you have some people excited. Mark Ferris, same thing. But when you combine the four of those things together, I think that you know you know the food's going to be good, you know the beer's going to be good, you know the experience is going to be good. So having all of those things in one place, um, it just makes it. It, it makes it a little bit more exciting to go to. And then we also offer something that no other brewery offers. You have, a, right. you know, there's stuff to do with other breweries, right? But, you know, not on this level, really. Well, and that's why it's it's interesting to me because, and again, you guys and Fable are the two examples I'm using because it's kind of the same time frame and 
we haven't really had a big place that's that's opened in that same time frame uh, that I can think of. I could be wrong on that. Uh, somebody's going to send me a mean text or something. Uh, but there's these just extreme personalities of what these breweries are. Like you get this really really great different thing that hasn't been done yet, and so th- then it becomes hard to to, to figure out w- what is it that people are excited about. You know, is it is it the people? Because again, there's some there's there's some names with with all of that too that people do know. You want to go down that rabbit hole? How do people like get to know people anymore? Like the industry is just so different. And, like half the time, you don't know who's making your beer. You know, when we come in here, we know who is. But like, there's a lot of places in town that you don't know any of the brewers. Like they're they're just kind of tucked away in the back. They keep them locked up and don't uh, <laughs> don't don't showcase anything about the people. Um, I, where 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 is the industry today? Where is it where is it going? Is is this kind of a a sign of um, shifting back to some of that personality that made us fall in love with beer, or are you guys just an anomaly I, with it? I think COVID, you, you kind of hinted at COVID, and I think part of that um, has something to do with this. I think with everybody home, breweries were sending beer out more. So all of a sudden in Ohio and even in Kentucky, you can get beers from burial shipped to your door or from other half or whatever. Yeah. And, people aren't going out to breweries as much and they realize they can get the best beers in the country anytime they want. Right. The excitement of local um, kind of, I wouldn't say died, but it, it definitely um, went down a little bit. I think what made us different and even fabled is what you said, the people, you know, there's track or there's local track record here from beers that I make from things that Jason has done um, fabled with John, like everybody knows John makes great beer. So, they say, okay, now maybe we can get some of that world-class stuff and support local right. as opposed to just having the stuff shipped to our door. So hopefully we can make that, that happen for people. How do you feel about craft beer today versus when you guys got into the industry? It's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just a lot, it's a lot different. Also, I was a lot younger. Uh, so I had a little bit more rose tinted glasses on than I do now, you know, 12 years into the industry. Do you, but do you think craft beer has changed or do you think that we've all changed as drinkers? I think it's a combination of both. I think that, um, people realize you can't just make beer and be successful. And so that's changed. You can't just, you have to do things intentionally instead of willy nilly. You know, there's some breweries that get away with it. Um, I can't even think of a name of that off the top of my head. But, I probably can. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you have to be very intentional in what you're doing. Back in the day, you could just do whatever you wanted and your beer would sell um, either in the store or on tap. It just didn't matter. Um, so you got to be more intentional and you got to focus on quality. Um, so that's, that's changed a bit. Um, and the consumer, you know, that, that you know, changes the flavors are changing too you know it was, when i started it was all about bitter west coast ipas then we moved uh, fruited sours and hazy ipas and i think hazy ipas are still here and now we're kind of swinging back towards lagers so the consumer taste preferences are changing the consumers also getting older having kids so you know it's it's just like any market things change and then you know at the same time they stay the same and they'll come back you know i'm sure bitter ipas will be back in five years and everybody will want 200 ibu beers too and it's just <laughs> just how the the life cycle of products go. How do you bring in those new drinkers? I mean, everybody, depending on what you're reading, everybody likes to talk about the fact that uh, people 
just aren't aren't really young drinkers aren't flocking to beer the way that, that we did when we were young. It's you know it's this mix of all this other stuff, you know, seltzers and, and cocktails and, and spirits and, and things like that. How how do we uh, figure out ways to get those people here? Well, you go to the suburbs where you have the other people here. <laughs> <laughs> but does does a place like this where? Uh, you've got your your parents bringing you since you're a little kid. You're here. You're you're bowling. You're eating here. This becomes a place that you know forms these these memories for you. Does that does that help that or does that hurt that? How does that as those kids grow up do they rebel against this thing? Oh, this is what my parents liked, or does this become that? Oh, this is comfort. Oh my God, I don't know that there's actually an answer to that. But <laughs> I think if you had the answer to that, you wouldn't be have a podcast and you'd be a very rich man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a podcast and I'm not a rich man so, so there we go so I, you know it's just one of those things where it just depends um, it depends on your relationship with your family and how you how you go with that and you know I think that we are we did the duck pen for several reasons one of one of the things is to insulate against that to provide um, something we have NA beers on draft we have an NA Oktoberfest on draft right now from Untitled Art we have duck pen here you could come here and not even touch alcohol and not even think about alcohol right so we've kind of tried to insulate ourselves from that sort of thing but also provide experience to those people because they deserve to have fun too just because they don't like alcohol doesn't mean that we should turn them away and you know that used to be a thing too where people would turn their nose up at people that didn't drink alcohol yeah uh, back in the day and now it's just like i don't care you're gonna spend the same amount of money at my bar whether you're drinking alcohol or not like it doesn't doesn't matter to me just come here and have a fun time with your family and friends and don't feel like you're forced into it i think that's a big shift in the, the industry as well do people like do people when they come in here? Like, what is the does the average person like get it that it's, that it's a brewery that the beer is made here that that's kind of uh, in, in a lot of ways the, the the soul of what kind of makes this all come together? Or um, are there a lot of people that come in here and just you know again they're maybe they're not ordering beer they're in here because they want to grab some food? Like, what is that breakdown for you guys? Can you tell? I would say it's probably seventy thirty on people that know we're a brewery versus don't know we're a brewery. And they can tell because they'll ask at the bar. Like, right. oh, you guys make your own beers here? Why do you guys sell all this one brewery's beer? Yeah. <laughs> or beers doesn't say, it doesn't say wandering monsters on the tap list like 10 times. Right. So maybe that's why they're confused on it. And we had, it's funny because, you know, unti- untapped is whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, we brought in, when we opened, we were a little short on beer. So we brought in other half IPA to put on tap because we were out of IPA and also because I want to drink other half because it's amazing <laughs> and uh, we had like three or four people check into Wandering Monsters Broccoli uh, we had, Wandering Monsters Other Half Broccoli was well, the name of the beer because we had it on the board as Other Half Broccoli but that makes it even stranger to me because these are people that have untapped exactly that, that's, that you think get it uh, that then don't exactly right so it's just you know you, you think you you think you can do everything to say um, that you are what you are and we want to be known as Wandering Monsters not necessarily Wandering Monsters Brewing Company that's obviously a big part of what we do but it's the whole package it's not just focusing on the one thing so um, yeah so as long as they're having a good time here I guess I, th- I think for me like I think emphasizing that it's a brewery like is, is important in my head because it helps kind of shift this culture around drinking and this this, this bigger problem that I think exists in the United States about uh, uh, about alcohol that uh, uh, we're, we're getting close to that point where it's becoming more normal and people are understanding of, of the different levels of what drinking means to different types of people and um, 
So when you have a place that like, oh yeah, I go there all the time. It's a it's a brewery. I, I don't drink the beer, but I, I go there all the time. Like that's important like, mm-hmm. to me. That's really important to kind of shift this this culture around um, what what it means to to make alcohol in, in the United States personally. But who knows? Everything I get so confused by all of this anymore. And like the, the the whole seltzer thing that was going on for so long didn't help at all. Trying to understand like why people are are drinking what they're drinking and. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if people even know why they're drinking what they're drinking. <laughs> I, I feel that even like stronger today than I did then, and um, that concerns me a little bit. Just you know, how do you how do you educate people? How do you how do you keep kind of um, pushing uh, this idea forward that everything has like a like a purpose and a reason, and like that you know, not that seltzer is evil. But you know, when when you're drinking seltzer, you should you should know why you're drinking. You should enjoy it. Like you shouldn't just be drinking it because that's the option that you have that uh, is farthest away from the thing that you don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not really a question. Should I close this brewery down <laughs> now, man? You're really bumming me out about these <laughs> no, things. No, no. But I think but I think the breweries are the important like piece of it. Of like you know when you walk in somewhere and it's like oh I'm I'm here for I'm just here for some barbecue. Uh, you know no I'm, I'm not gonna get a beer. But then halfway through your meal, you're you're a little you're curious. And you're like, hey, get, I only drink Bud Light, and I, you know, I, you know, we, you know, is there? Do you guys have something that's like that? And then the conversation starts, and then, but that person, if it was just a brewery that was just cranking out a bunch of beer, they wouldn't even walk in the door. Like, oh, I'm no, I'm a Bud Light drinker. I don't go there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go, you know, to the the bar, you know, uh, down the street. I'm, I'm not, I don't I don't drink that stuff. But now it gets them in the door. It gets the conversation started. It gets people talking about it. So that's why the, the breweries get me excited because there's conversations happening. There's not conversations at Applebee's. You know, if you, <laughs> yes, you can get a truth on tap, but you know, you're 23 you're, ounce truth. Yeah, it's a big old Brutus of truth. <laughs> uh, do you think, well, yeah, just, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> Uh, what what gets you what gets you excited about craft beer? We'll try to spin it more positive. Like, what is it right now that is like, uh, uh, you know, we, you, you try milkshake IPAs like this that are that are leaps and, and bounds above what people were doing a couple years ago. Um, what other things are out there that it's like, oh my god, this is this is cool. Like that that somebody's doing this, or that this is becoming popular, or that people are requesting this, or what, what gets you excited? Um, <clears throat> a lot of things get me excited about craft beer, but and we talk a lot about all the things that Wandering Monsters brings um, to its consumers between the food, the duck pen, the experience overall. And I honestly just seeing people drink my beer is is exciting enough for me. Um, and sure, fifty percent of what we're selling is a Wisconsin ale uh, that is light and you know has some flavor, but it's not it's not a milkshake IPA. It's not right. a big imperial stout. But it, you know, people are are happy. So I'm happy. <laughs> um, so I'm happy with that. But I like that we can we can do that. We can do it well. We can satiate that portion of our customer base, and then also do things like a milkshake IPA or fruited sour, or like our imperial stout uh, coming out in a couple of weeks. Like that's gonna, you know, make another group happy. The, the people that are maybe more like me, right. <laughs> who are looking for something that's you know bold in flavor and something unique and exciting, and we can kind of do the best of both worlds and uh, somehow make a living off of it. Right. To me, I would say the constant learning that continues to happen. You know, I've been in this for a long time and it's still stuff. I I learn new stuff almost daily. 
Um, we are in the process of making a, a beer with um, Weldworks right now, making a stout. We're brewing it next week. Dropping all the big names. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, I could have said an unnamed brewery because there's a point to this. Um, we're in an email stay- chain about stouts. And um, God, that's got to be the nerdiest email chain ever. <laughs> I'm telling you. And uh, Skip, their head brewer, is just kind of t- and Zach are talking the process. And you know, I've worked with some great stout brewers, Jared at Bolero Snort and John Ewers at Fabled, and and there's stuff that he's trying. Maybe they know that now. Maybe it's a new process. I don't, I don't know. But they're like, there's I learned five or six things in one email that he sent about about stouts, and I, my mind was just kind of blown. And I was like, you know. No, I've been around some excellent stouts and some excellent stout brewers, and I still didn't know all of this stuff. So there's just always more knowledge to be to be gained and more information to share, and I feel that's just that gets me pretty excited. Kind of piggybacking on that idea, though, like I feel like, and this is not true for you guys and for for a lot of other places that I think I see kind of pushing some of the the boundaries of some of that stuff. But uh, as as an industry. Like I think the idea of like the collaboration beers and stuff like that is is not what it used to be, and I feel like that is the thing that kind of starts pushing some of those the the knowledge around and gets people trying new things and people seeing new things. Uh, not to be Debbie Downer, but again, that that starts to make me feel negative about the industry because nobody else is is I shouldn't say nobody else because again, there are lots of places that are like are all into that now, but um, again. COVID kind of uh, kind of kicked collaborations right in the nuts and told people that they can't do it anymore. And uh, it hasn't come back the way it was kind of before that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's all about the individual breweries themselves too. You know, I want to be there. I want to brew. I want to see how you're operating. I want to see how your back of house is working, how your front of house works. I want to see how your draft system looks. I want to see, I want to talk to you about your hop selection. I want to I want to be there and spend the whole day uh, just learning and drinking. My wife says I just go do this to drink, but um, it's really about the learning. Um, and so that it's just it's just all about what you want to get out of the collaboration. If you just want to slap right. your name on a another brew with another brewery and sell some beer, that's cool. I'm not going to hate on it, but for us, it's like very important that we're there, we're brewing. Um, and it, we're just a part of that day with them because it's all about, you know, what can we take from here back that makes us more successful, that helps our employees, that helps our customers and ends up with the best guest experience we can have. So it's just, you know, that's, that's the way we look at collaborations. What we're doing, we're doing it a, a little bit differently where we brew a beer ahead of time with a recipe. They come in and t- we tap that beer so we can, they can drink a beer together. It's very rare for a collaborating brewery to drink that beer on tap when they're at the brewery if you're out of town in town obviously it's different and then when they're here brew another one um so we are doing we are doing the virtual one at least for one but getting the in-person one done separately so we can you know extract as much knowledge and and have a a good time you know that's at the end of the day there's that that balance between the two of you know like yes there's you're you're getting something educational out of this and you're uh you're sharing knowledge it's still beer at the end of the day. Like there's still that other, that fun side of it of, yeah, we like to sit around and drink beer together. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's what gets us all into it. And that's what kind of keeps us going a lot of days too. Um, let's drink another beer. This one is Fogbringer. So this one, uh, <coughs> what is the style here? New England IPA. Yeah. Fogbringer became kind of a series for us. Um, Hazy IPA is something that obviously we're passionate about, something I did a lot at, at labs and something that Listerman's always done. Um, and we basically, uh, I brewed one 
before we opened, split it into two, and we're like, okay, well, we have two beers now. Let's just turn this into a series where we're kind of experimenting with the style and trying different hop combinations using different processes or different yeasts. Um, this is the third one out. Uh, I am trying to remember what is even in it at this point, but um, man, I don't remember, but it is a double dry hops IPA the, with... The, the base beer itself stays the same and then the hops change? Is uh, that yeah, grist ch- stays the same. Um, the hop process might change. Um, like I'm brewing... I have one in a tank right now, number four, that got Salvo in the Whirlpool, which is a, a you know a different hop product. Right. Um, but generally, yeah, it's kind of the same base, and then we, we play with the hops um, a little bit differently. Oh, thanks for pulling that up. Uh, Citrus Strata Eldorado um, and the I double dry hopping. You not only pulled it up, you just pulled it up on untapped. You didn't. It's <laughs> the, we have sheets it is a lot that we share. Go through like Google it's just like, man, I have to go through all of these things <laughs> to find it. it. We just copy and paste it. That's why what we use untapped for, too. It's just for us, it's too. A good shout out to untapped that they've <laughs> evidently still created for something. good enough product. Don't, to... you don't even get us started. <laughs> I mean, there's. Has untapped, like, is. Does it still, like, is. The negativity around Untapped and, and the way people rate things like is that still as big of an issue now as it was? Like, do people do people still like care about what the rating is on Untapped? Oh yeah, I say I would say I would say I would say eighty five percent of our customers don't, but that fifteen mm-hmm. the people that are talking about craft beer it absolutely matters. Um, it matters so much that there's breweries that rate their own beers five stars to, right. to bring it up. So right. obviously they think that it matters enough to do it. So it's it's a thing and it's it's dumb. Hey, hey, do you see people sit down and like they're they're pulling up Untapped and they're actually choosing what they drink based off of the Untapped scores? I don't know about that, but I think it's more like a um, it's more of a which place am I going to go to? Okay. Versus what the actual beer and what beer once they're here, it doesn't really matter from a business standpoint what beer they get. Right? They're here, they're going to try some of our great beers on draft. But I think it's more of a. Um, it's more of a which place should I go if I'm in this area and there's four places I'm on untapped. I'm going to look at the overall brewery score right. and see you know this look at that to see who has the best beers. Right. That's depressing. That's just like I, I I like untapped and I like seeing what other people think about beers. But it's always like after I'm drinking the beer, like that's when I'm pulling stuff up. All right, what does everybody else think about this? Mm-hmm. And like I'm like all right, let me. It's like you know when you when you're not sitting with your friends and drinking with them, like it gives you other people to kind of. Uh, see their opinions and their thoughts about something but yeah i mean that's how i learned to taste beer uh beer advocate i would drink a beer and read reviews and yeah. be like what am i tasting oh that that is like oh yeah that's what this is yeah, what that's is, how what i is that picked thing out there? flavor characteristics yeah. well on tap you don't have to type anything so it's a little less um less useful for that yeah it's, it's almost hard now to like find people that have written something about the beer or something that's actually about the beer like usually it's just some kind of random yeah it's not great for feedback you go and it's you know you get 30 review or 30 you know four cap reviews and like one person will write something and half the time it doesn't even have to do with the beer and you're like okay no. so like i don't know what you got out of it are you getting what i'm getting or are right. you getting what i was hoping you would get and in the end it's just a number how do you do that then how do you find that valuable feedback from people like how do you how do you find people that you trust their feedback how do you how do you get it how do you how do you do that it's a lot of the bar staff and what we're hearing from the guests that are actually here um, that we get a lot of feedback from from that. Yeah, you just but you just trust like a random guest that's sitting there. Like, is, no, I mean, you'll, I mean it's just like ones- any feedback. You'll you'll know whether it's valid or not. 
uh, when you hear it. And if they say something about a beer you go taste and be like, oh, I could, you know, I could see that. Um, how do we make that better? Or no, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, that's just how it is. You know, you get a job performance review and you're like, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. This is valid. This isn't. You know, you could figure only, that out for yourself. The only reviews I get for my job performance now are for my wife. And I don't, I don't <laughs> trust any of them. <laughs> she just says I go drink too much. <laughs> what does she know? <laughs> she, I'm working. <laughs> uh, what about like, uh, I mean, let's... Other other beverages. So I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Seltzer, obviously, I you know was it was a thing. Uh, cocktails and stuff like that. Uh, how does that how does that shape how you guys uh, do things on the brewery side, or does it? Like, do you do you see what people are kind of um, uh, drink the people that aren't drinking beer? You, do you see what they're drinking and kind of use that as uh, inspiration as kind of maybe flavor profiles or something? Is is any of that going on? I don't think so. Um, should, should it? Well, we're a little bit different than a lot of breweries and we don't distribute. Right. And that's going to be my goal for as long as I can hold on to that dream of mine. Uh, we'll see how, uh, hopefully it's forever. Um, and so we don't have to cater to that because that, if you, that almost makes me feel like you should cater to it more, but because we have a full bar here. So if you want a cocktail, you just come here and get a cocktail. Right. We don't need to make a beer that tastes like a cocktail. You can just get the real thing here. You know, we don't need to make a seltzer. We'll buy an untitled art seltzer that's amazing and just serve that on draft here. You know, it's, it's, um, yeah, that's, ask me again when I want to do a pina colada beer in the summer. Um, And then uh, if I uh, (laughs) reimagine that, but you know, it's, we kind of talked about RTDs the last time we spoke too. It's like, we don't need to carry them. We have them here. They're, they're ready to drink in the liquor bottles that we make. So it's, we're just a little bit different than, than other breweries would be that would, don't have that. Like, hey, I want to, you know, I don't know. I don't even know mixed drinks. I'll say pina colada again. Oh, we got this this one right here for you. It's kind of similar to that. So, But we can just make you one. Pina colada is probably the worst example because it's probably like the perfect thing to make into I, a beer. Yes, I know. <laughs> and it's also like my favorite mixed drink. So it's like, oh, yeah. I, it, there's, again, I, my mind just keeps going to like this idea of like converting drinkers, which maybe that's not the right way to think anymore. Maybe we should just stop trying to, to win that way. But um, like when somebody comes in and orders a cocktail, I just want to know why they ordered that cocktail. Is it just because they wanted something boozy? Was it because they like this, this, these flavors are something that is actually, uh, you know, resonating with them, which then is okay. So how do we give them that as a, as, 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 beer people you know and like that's um i just want everybody to be drinking beer and i don't know if that's <laughs> possible should we give up on that you should give up on <laughs> yeah, that i can't i can't i gave up on There's that beer the, for everybody the, uh, <laughs> the place i worked at after listerman kind of beat that into me with how much volume they sold of non-beer things and how many people came in because they had it so it was just kind of like if we're going to be this neighborhood place that's for everybody and for families you know mom dad wants a bourbon or uh, vodka soda that night we have to be that place to, to sell it to them or they'll go somebody else so you know it's just kind of that dream has died for me and I think it's for the better you know I don't think everybody needs to drink a beer I think as long as you're doing doing what you enjoy and drinking what you enjoy then you know that's good too just keep drinking not in a, in a safe way I meant like keep enjoying <laughs> well, need stop, alcoholic stop. beverages <laughs> yes um, don't don't move away from alcohol because I think that's that's a whole different scarier thing if people are moving to like THC and that sort of stuff that's that's coming um, for the alcohol business than than just just beer right uh, what so if if you recognize that there are people who just are going to be spirits people uh, how does that 
why not add distilling into what you do? Like, why not kind of start branching into that as a as a manufacturer? You just want to throw all this other extra stuff question. on it. Oh, it's just a man. question. Uh, a space and capital. Well, a space here's, B capital. Here's the whole joke of all of this. The reason I have to talk about it is because so many people are drinking <laughs> other things. So my podcast has to be about everything. <laughs> Uh, space and capital are, are big on that, and you know it takes a it takes a lot of money to start up a distillery, uh, because you know bourbon takes four years, and that's where the real money is, and that's where I would want to make anyways. So, um, and then you know I'm a big big believer on if somebody makes it really well and it's not that expensive, then it's going to cost you more money to do it less well. Mm-hmm. Tito's, for example, great vodka. How you know? vodka we would make would not be as good as Tito's and probably cost us more to make than we can buy a Tito's so let's just keep buying Tito's I I argue that sometimes with, with some breweries where you know they'll uh, put a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money into making we'll, we'll say a light American lager and they, they, they work really hard to do that to try to make a beer that uh, people that like Bud Light will drink and like I, the mindset kind of shifts there too of like if if everybody's asking for Bud Light and you can't make a beer that's better than Bud Light or cheaper than Bud Light why don't you just put Bud Light on tap and just call it call it a day if that's what you're trying to do and there's a whole rabbit hole you go down there a whole like uh, you know at some point like a lot of these beer styles that people are trying to make there's already a beer out there that is the defined version of that style if you want to make a great Pilsner there is great Pilsner out there you're, you, most people are not going to make a beer that's better than that. How do you, like, where is that, where is that line to say that uh, we can do this better or we accept that we, we can't? It's, it's at the liquor line. That's where it's at. Yeah, I think in, in beer, beer customers are looking for variety. They come in every day like, what's new? What's new? What can I have that I didn't have last time I was here? And if every brewery and bar... In the, in the city only sold Pilsner or Kell, I bet they're not going to drink nearly as much Pilsner as if, you know, every third brewery also had a Pilsner on right. that they made in-house. Um, and from, you know, my side of things, like, I want to brew a good Pilsner because I love Pilsner and I want the challenge of making something that is at least as close to as good as that as I can. And right. hopefully people will enjoy it as much as I do. Um, and I want to keep my job. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you joke, but I think the line is liquor. I think... There's so much more involved there, and right now, you know, it's just a one-man show back here. So, uh, but it is like I, I, I would love now to go sit down with the distillery and ask that same question of like, you know, if if you know that Tito's is out there, like why? Bo- I mean, I guess vodka is just the easiest thing to, to to make probably, so that's why you do it. But like, you know, if, if they if you know that everybody's ordering some kind of product that's on the shelf, like why are you shifting your focus into that? Why is that the thing that you're you're shooting for? Instead well, they might think that they make a better version of Tito's, you know, and I'm sure people think they make better versions of Pilsner or Quell, and that's why you, you don't set up, you don't start out making a Pilsner thinking you're going to make a worse Pilsner than Pilsner or Quell, right? You're not going to be like, this one's going to be worse than this beer. Like, It's you know. also kind of crazy to think you're going to do better. Like, you might do, like, your kind of, your your version of something like that, but it's kind of crazy to think you do better, right? you got to shoot for the moon, and if you didn't <laughs> miss, you land amongst the stars, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> There, there are just some beers that I think maybe like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um, what, what do you guys? If it's not, uh, if it's not beer that you make, what do you guys like to drink? How do you? Uh, how, what, what's in your fridge? Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. 
pretty much all the, all the time. That's what I drink at home. Um, I make drinks for my wife, um, which is fun, but I don't drink them myself. So usually it's Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or some bourbon. Yeah, I drink. Um, I'm a haze boy, so I drink a lot of New England IPAs. I order a lot of beer. That from is other, shocking. I never would have guessed. <laughs> I drink half. a lot of Jason's uh, hazy IPAs that he orders. Yeah. <laughs> Got um, too many of these. <laughs> Need some more room. Yeah, and I drink seltzers. I still drink seltzers and bourbon. Yeah, I'm drinking. Uh, it does. Does it get you excited the same way the beer did? Like when you, you know. Uh, even bourbon like is bourbon still as exciting as maybe craft beer was kind of at the beginning I never get the good stuff so I don't know what is the good stuff I don't <laughs> even understand stuff that, that you can't get if you can get it if you see it on the shelf it's not the good stuff apparently uh, that's the way bourbon is these days I guess uh, one of uh, one of my clients for the business side of my life is Revival down in Covington shout out to Revival uh, incredible business if you guys haven't been there go there um, but they only sell vintage bourbon uh, because of the great laws of Kentucky. Um, and so I've kind of got this weird skewed version of bourbon in my head now of what makes good bourbon and not good bourbon. That's probably all good bourbon, but you cannot buy that for home consumption, I would imagine. Yes, you can. That's the brilliance of Kentucky. Okay. It's the only state where you can do that. Maybe D.C., I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you can just go in and buy old bourbon. As long as it's sealed, they can, they can buy oh, it from... Oh, sure. They can buy it from people and then resell it. It's, it's cool stuff. Yeah. Go to, go I understand revival. now. Uh, let's drink another beer uh, because uh, I, I say we're out of we're, our time is running up, but it's the internet. With we haven't even eaten not, yet. It's not really rules. We haven't even eaten yet. Are we eating on the show? I mean, it's up to you. It's your show. I mean, we could talk about the food, but eating on the show never tends to uh, be good listening. <laughs> Great. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this beer and then let's talk about the food. Sure. Um, what is this one? What is that? What does it look like? Uh, I believe that's our Untitled Art collab. Oh, that's what it's... It looks like... <laughs> it's a very <laughs> accurate description sense. of what I wrote down there. <laughs> yeah, so we went up to Wisconsin uh, in the spring and hung out with um, Levi and Sam and, and the guys of Untitled Art. We came up with an idea for a beer that they were going to brew, um, and then they got a bit backed up, so I was like, you know what? We'll do it here. Um, we did a small version here, and what it is is um, it's a kettle sour... Kind of a smoothie sour with um, raspberry lemonade. Um, so raspberry, and we use Sicilian lemon puree, which kind of brings that almost like frozen lemonade aspect that I love. Um, very fruity, very tart. See, I don't um, get a, I don't get as much tartness as I was expecting. See, like I, it's, I've heard that. Like, I think Mark said the same thing. He was I like, I don't think it's that. that tart. And I was like, man, I feel like the lemon cuts it so much that it's just like acid on my tongue. But I, I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, maybe the sweetness of the of the fruit really kind of balances that as well. But um, kind of a fun beer um, that I think they're going to do a big batch of at some point. That reminds me of going back to the the cocktail discussion and beers that are you know kind of cocktail uh, inspired or not. This reminds me of something that a cocktail drinker would really enjoy in a beer if they want to drink a beer. <laughs> this is this is really good. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, you get. Uh, uh, you, uh, all of the uh, kind of that uh, that berry kind of flavor comes through in the beginning, and then uh, that lemon just cuts it right off and just yeah, kind of gives sharp it really. Finish, yeah, which that's kind of cool. That's a fun beer. I like that. Thanks. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> we also have a special one to pull out from the fridge too, too. So that's the second to last. Oh one. yeah, we got to talk about that too. Oh, we got to talk about other things. There's there's a lot of things that we haven't talked about. Um, you guys package beer. Uh, 
You packaged beer in a weird way, though. You decided that you were going to go with these... Classic? Uh, we say classic? 16.9-ounce <laughs> bottles, is that right? 500 milliliters? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talk about the decision to go that which we probably talked about the last time we were here, but talk about the decision to go that way versus uh, four packs of 16-ounce cans like everybody likes to do these days. Talk about... Uh, um, how you how you went that way? Why do you went that way? Sure, uh, I was in. It, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, a, which most things come back to capital. A canning a, ni- a nice canning line's you know fifty to seventy grand. This bottling line was like twelve, um, and it does a great job for what we needed to do. Um, so that was a big play. That that made me consider it. Like oh, this because I I was thinking you know they're the same price. It's obviously going to be cans, but then I found someone using this the type of um, I don't even know what it's called. Do you know what it's called? What, the line? Yeah. The Fillmore? Fillmore. Uh, using a Fillmore in another brewery, again, on a collab. And I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, it costs yeah, 12 grand. Cool. Um, and then, you know, one day I was in talking to uh, Ben at Cappy's. And if you've ever gone to talk to Ben at Cappy's, you know how long those conversations yes. are. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ben. What's up, Ben? Um, and I was looking at the, his cooler there, and it is literally all just aluminum, except for one beer. And I know you know what this is because of the last time. but. Yeah. Um, but main lunch was like the one shining bottle on this whole thing. And it just immediately stuck out to that. And I was thinking if we ever need to get into distribution, then, you know, we will be able to at least stand out on the shelves. If, if at very least have someone pick up our bottle and see what it is, because it looks so different than everything else on the shelf. And then we are also able to, to price it. Um, better, you know, it's it's a four dollar bottle to go home. It's a pint of beer to take home with you. You you're having dinner. You 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 might you want one more, but you got to go home and put the kids to bed or something. Well, you can grab a pint to go for four bucks and uh, go home and enjoy it um, when you're at home. Um, so it's a reasonably packaged single single bottle that um, I'm hoping people people enjoy. And, and it's also, you know, um, I love going over to Europe and this is the style of bottle I use in Europe. And so walking down a street, looking at some street art or something and they open carries a thing there. So you grab a bottle from a bottle shop and they pop it open for you and you go on your way and it's this style of bottle. So it has a bit of nostalgia and and fun for me too. I I like them. Uh, It is definitely distinct compared to what everybody else is doing these days, which uh, is funny to me to, to watch kind of that shift and that change going back and forth. <clears throat> what has been the reaction from from people? Like, people, people have loved of, it. They said we're never buying another can. <laughs> we're only buying these bottles. Uh, how do you open these again? Is that <laughs> <laughs> Just use your teeth. You'll be fine. Uh, you guys uh, have cooler full of kind of the uh, the core stuff, the things that um, people have been drinking on tap that they want to take home with them. But uh, you're doing uh, your first kind of big uh, release of a. Sp- "Quote unquote special bottle." They're all special in their own way. They're but, all uh, special. Uh, I took off the artwork on this. Stat release. Um, talk about talk about the beer a little bit and uh, what people can expect. Sure, um, Vietor Obscura is kind of our base pastry stout. So um, when we first opened up, we um, I had brewed a batch and it takes forever, but it got to a good spot. We filled some barrels and we had a few kegs left. Um, so we released. Um, a version on draft that was that got a um, condition on caramel and chocolate or cocoa nibs, um, and that beer went really fast. I think we went through three half barrels in like a week and a half. Um, and it was like that's not really what our customer base is. We didn't think, you know, we're we're selling a bunch of Blondale, um, but uh, it it took off pretty, you know, got a little bit of following. Had a lot of people asking when it was coming back, and um, we just didn't have any beer. It was all in barrels. So um, we brewed another batch. 
put most of that in barrels. Um, but this is upcoming releases, um, that same base beer, but with toasted marshmallow and chocolate. Um, it's delicious. It's sweet. It's, um, you know, it's delicate. It's got that kind of like warming, uh, um, booziness, but not like hot right. on your tongue. Um, it's very, I don't know. I'm excited about it. I think the body is, is really big and, um, it's just, I'm really happy with this beer and I think the label is I love the label. Uh, <laughs> you guys probably can't. I know you can't see it because my camera overheated and it's not recording on that side anymore. So, um, but the label is. Um, uh, it's all just kind of. Uh, what is the? What do I call the non-metallic? It's all not metallic except for the little the little monster kind of walking through the woods, and he just kind of mm-hmm. pops like the, the moon is shining on him, and he just it's it's beautiful. Uh, uh, when is this being released? What's the date? Saturday, September. 16th. So when you are listening to this, if you're listening to it when it drops, it is uh, this coming Saturday. Yeah, it's this Saturday. This Saturday, be here. If you're <laughs> listening to it after that, uh, sorry, uh, you missed out, uh, but pay attention to social media for next time they release a bottle because there will be plenty more uh, fun things, I assume, like this coming down the pike. Uh, you guys mentioned putting a lot of things in barrels, so we know that uh, we know that there's stuff coming, and uh, uh, that's probably the best place to find it uh, timely <laughs> instead of listening to podcasts to get things when they release. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the food before we wrap things up. Uh, barbecue is kind of the uh, the focus of, I mean, there's, there's some other things that I don't think te- technically fall into the barbecue realm, but uh, um, uh, talk about talk about what the menu looks like, what people can expect when they walk in and... Uh, um, you guys are now open for lunch, which uh, I assume that a lot of people in this area are really digging. Yeah, so um, when we were looking at what food to put in here, um, I kind of looked at the market to see what was available. Uh, we knew we weren't going to do a chicken tender place because there was too many of those around here. There's a weird number of chicken places <laughs> over here. Someone could say the right amount. Anderson loves, uh, Anderson loves chicken. <laughs> Hashtag Anderson loves chicken. Um, and so, you know, there wasn't really a barbecue place. Um, Sweets and Meats had just closed to do cater- to focus on catering. Um, they're not even, they're, they're in Mount Washington, which is in Anderson. It was a weird map thing. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay. And looking at, you know, A, what Mike's skill set was. He opened Pontiac, so he's got some barbecue barbecue knowledge and and be kind of looking at the the space we have for the kitchen we don't we don't have the biggest space and we can put that uh smoker outside uh to do most of our cooking outside so it was kind of a culmination of those things do you have to pay extra square footage to have the smoker outside <laughs> we have a great landlord That's does nice. not charge us <laughs> the extra square footage to put it out outside so um yeah so that's that's kind of why and i think we got a pit master named melvin who's uh been amazing he does great work back there and um it's people have seen have been really digging digging the food which is also crazy that i just talked about how great the barbecue is and oftentimes our smash burger will outsell everything i've I've heard more about the smash burger than i think anything else from people telling me what they what they had that's a great (laughs) it's a great smash burger and i guess if you don't want smoke food you don't want smoke that's why we have it if you you know to give you something that isn't smoked and it's kind of a safe place from smoke so to speak yeah i mean it's also really good kind of fits into the whole the whole vibe of trying to find something that everybody is happy with and like if you there's a lot of barbecue places that you walk into that don't really have that option for somebody that doesn't want 
barbecue. Right. Which I don't understand that. Why you wouldn't want barbecue, but whatever. (laughs) Smash burgers are good, too. (laughs) But it gives that thing that everybody can walk in here and just be happy and uh, get that thing that, that, you know, brings them joy. And I think uh, think that's what we're all about. I think you guys are nailing it. This place makes me happy to see that. Uh, there are still people out there that get it, that understand kind of how to keep moving forward into craft beer um, without ignoring the stuff that made it what it was in the first place. So um, keep up the good work. Is there anything you want people to know that you think they don't know? Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk, be... talk about <laughs> no, that. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm walking right. out the door with, uh, with, uh, with several bottles of Oktoberfest because it makes its way into this year's Oktoberfest quest since it's in packaging. Because bottles are cool. It's, mm-hmm. But it is the only <laughs> bottle in this year's Oktoberfest quest. <laughs> It'll stand tall amongst <laughs> its, its competitors. I don't know where it's going to go in my fridge because my fridge is so packed full of things. Uh-huh. Cans are easy. You can stack them, and they just fit in these little nooks and crannies. Those are going to have to sit right in the middle, right in front and center. Oh, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> but we will definitely it's talk about it. Together. I actually assume that it will probably be competing in round one this weekend. So uh, or, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to wait that long. It'll probably be this week sometime. What is today? Today's, we're recording this on Thursday. This airs on Monday. Yeah, it'll probably be probably tonight on uh, on the weekly pint is what I'm guessing. It'll compete against somebody. Don't know who. Yeah, I, I should give you a list of the people that are still uh, waiting to compete and you maybe even pick your own competitor. Ah, uh, sorry. No, when do we get fair. our trophy? You can't do that. You got to win. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's the golden gnome. There is a trophy. <laughs> it is, uh, can't it, wait. We'll I, put it above our bar. I finished building the trophy uh, this weekend. I have to check and make sure everything is dry and it's not falling apart, but um, there will be a live event somewhere. I'm not... Uh, we'll see where it is. Um, we're not ready to talk about the live event yet, but there will be a live event where the finals take place. There will be five people in the finals because we couldn't do a final four because of how many Oktoberfest <laughs> beers there are. So I came out to the final five, I think. Um, and we'll crown a winner that night live. Uh, blind tasting between those final five. So there's some tough competition. I can guarantee it won't be BJ's. That beer was terrible. Uh, shout out to BJ's for making a terrible Oktoberfest beer. <laughs> is, that, put, is that Miller? Uh, no, they they have their own brewery. Yeah, they have, they have like f- three or four breweries around the country. The, oh, okay. But they are theirs. As far as I know, they're theirs. Theirs. Uh, they, yeah, no, they're, they're definitely theirs. They're a craft brewery. Yeah, they're uh-huh. on the list. They're a craft brewery. Okay. The beer's terrible. I take though. it back. They shouldn't be a craft brewery. The beer's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong button. Shit. Um, we will be back next week, uh, I believe. Tuba? You just said you want to know what's coming up. I haven't even talked about it. What's coming up? I didn't ask what was coming up, but I, I could. Yeah, I thought you said, well, what are you guys excited about or something? And then we got oh, Honest I said, Divers. What, what do you want people to know that yeah, you think what they do you, don't yes. know? Yeah, we, there's stuff, stuff, there's we'll, stuff people need we'll to know. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll edit it. It's the internet. It's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you, well, well, I just didn't know if you wanted to lead back so, in with a question. Uh, or so, we guys, is there anything that you, uh, you want people to know that you think they don't know? Zach, I don't know if you want to talk about some of our exciting collabs that we have coming up. Uh, sure. Um, I'll preface this by saying I love collabs. It's not something that I, we did at Braxton very often, or if we did, it was usually with a business, um, which right. worked out w- well for them. But I am loving getting to meet all these new people that have been friends with um, <sighs> My name's Jason. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're friends with Jason, but it, it's working out great for me. Um, so, you know, we started out with uh, Trips to Microphone and Untitled and some others. But don't we're, you forget Phase 3. And Phase 3. Ooh, wouldn't want to miss that one. Um, but we are brewing a beer um, with Fremont tomorrow. 
Um, and they're going to come out in a few weeks and we're going to brew something for barrels when they're here, I believe. Um, There's a little bit more to that one uh, than Zach's letting on. So the head, uh, the head brewer, lead brewer at Fremont, and I went to high school together. And he tutored me in geometry. And we played soccer together for three years there. Uh, so it's we've been talking about making beer forever. He's been around the world making beer. And it's finally, he's coming home for his sister's wedding. So we're brewing a, a double IPA uh, Friday. And then he's going to be here for the wedding and brew a beer, a dark beer for us with for barrels. But when he's here for the wedding, we're going to tap the double IPA right. so he can drink it with his family. And it's kind of like a really cool, cool and fun thing that we're doing. And I'm just so very excited to get to brew with Huni. And um, it's been it's been way too long. Um, but yeah, so but that's that's what you know. The collaborations like it, we, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit before about the, the two different sides of it of like, like trying to do something where everybody's learning from each other and you're kind of you're doing this educational thing and uh but then like just that other side of just getting together with people in the industry that you sometimes don't get to hang out with when you want to because everybody's busy and like just getting together and making something and and then drinking something together like it's uh, uh, and the flip side we're combining both because there's a couple of hot products that we're using that you haven't used before right yeah, we're doing Salvo again. So I did use it once, but I only used it because it was their suggestion. I was like, well, I want to put this in a beer before we do there so I can kind of get a feel for how to use it and what, um, what it's going to taste like. So we're using some Salvo in the Whirlpool. We're using some Cryo, which um, something we've used before. But a um, couple of cool advanced hot products that will add some depth but also maybe um, help with some yield, too, on something this big. Right. be nice. Um, and we're using Nectaron, which I haven't used yet, so I'm excited for that. Nectron hops. Um, so the Fremont collab, and then we got Weldworks collab next week. We're brewing them this, like triple mash, reiterated mash stout. Um, What's a reiterated mash? Reiterated mash. So what we're doing? The educational <laughs> try, and try, fun. Trying to leave a good joke here about that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm going to mash, do a single mash. I'm going to run off all of that um, liquor. And then I'm going to grain out, and then I'm going to mash again. But instead of using city water for that mash, I use the mash from the runoff. Okay. So that'll get us a huge boost in gravity. We're going to run that then off into the kettle, and we're going to boil overnight. And then the next morning, I'll brew a third mash with just regular city water and run off into that so we get back to a full kettle volume and boil a little bit more and hopefully end up with something like really sounds thick like a, and really like intense and fun. Yeah. Uh, something that's going to probably be in barrels for like the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and then I think we're talking with uh, Jared Bolero snored about doing something up there. Um, I don't know what, what else is even in the timeline. I, get them I all think that's those three are the ones that are, are coming up. Can't really plan that. And we're going to, we're, we're, a, we're going yeah. to Weldworks and Yeah, October. we're going out to Denver, going to do something with Weldworks out there and um, maybe a couple other breweries that we've been, been chatting with. So, Shout out to Sam. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do something with Four Noses because uh, we both know Sam who's out there. Sam Huckaway, previous of so, Ryan Geis and, yeah. and like half the breweries. Yeah, Sam. and Columbus and uh, someone else down there. The one right by Ryan Geis. Yeah, he was here at Northern Row for Northern, Northern Row. Row. That's it. There yep. it is. Yeah, and West Side. Was there for a little while. So, <laughs> again, that that whole idea of just like being with people in the industry that that you you know are, are friends with or that you want to hang out with, like it's, I, I think it's so important to the the beer side of things. And mm-hmm. it breaks my heart that it's kind of fallen out of uh, commonplace. We're in bringing the last it back. Few years. 
Well, I, th- I think other people are too. Like, I think it's. I, I hopefully it's going to become more normal. But it's what I love. I, I just I love the the community of it and the, uh, all of that, man. It's, it's good. you guys are doing a good job. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks. Uh, keep up the great work. Is there anything else that you want people to know <laughs> that you think they don't know about uh, Wandering Monsters? I think we're good this time. Thank you. <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you saw on your uh, your Instagram feeds or wherever I'm going to post it, uh, I had lunch here and it was probably probably really delicious. So uh, can't go, edit that one out now. Go, go back and check that one out. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think we're sitting down with Streetside talking about their anniversary next week. I believe if that's if I, if my schedule is messed up in my head, uh, don't uh, hold me to it. But we'll we'll, we'll be with somebody and. Um, uh, you can support the show by going to thegnarlygnome.com slash support share with your friends all of those things that I'm supposed to tell you at the end of the show that uh, I always forget to do uh, just do them uh, show notes look in the show notes Cincy Brewcast the voice of Cincy Craft